0: Okay, moving on to number 51. Um, This is basically talking about persuasion and whether it's easier to persuade people via a central or peripheral route. Be sure to look that up. Number 52 is about prejudice. So basically what we found is that um, children don't necessarily just learn prejudice from their parents. It depends on what type of attitudes the parents had when they were being prejudicial whether or not the children pick those up. So be sure to look at that research. Number 53 is on attraction. So basically, are we more likely to be attracted to people who are different than us or people who are like us? And generally, the more like we are, the better that is. Okay. Um, those relationships are more likely to last. Okay. Number 54 the difference between compliance and obedience. Compliance is basically just going along with a request, which is something simple, right? Like, hey, how about we go to the Cracker Barrel for dinner? Okay, that sounds good. Okay. Um, Versus obedience, which is more of like, I'm telling you to do something, therefore you do it. It's a demand of you. Okay. Um, Number 55 has to do with the bystander effect and in what situations we will help people and what situations we won't help people. Okay. Okay. Number fifty six has to do with group work and group think, and basically there's different types of groups. I think we've all been in the one where we're the only person doing work, and that's really hard. Um, I think it's why a lot of people don't like group work. Um, in terms of which were or which groups fall to groupthink. think. Um, Generally, ones that kind of fall under like the militant management style or a things have to be done my way sort of style is more likely to fall into groupthink. Okay. Number 57 is uh, something kind of odd. It has to do with aggression. And it's basically talking about what people have basically said they've really actually thought about killing someone. And it's actually a pretty high percentage. Um, I think depending upon how it's asked, depends on what kind of answer you get, because I think everyone's kind of had a thought about killing someone they're mad at, but not ever actually wanted to do it. So know the percentages on that for men and women. Of course, it is more men than women, um, but it's around 75% of male students say that they would have thought of that, and that's actually apparently normal. Um, so make sure you know that. Um, also in terms of violent media, number 58, um, what they found is that people that watch violent things on television are more likely to have violent dreams. I think we dream basically about what we interact with during the day. So that's not shocking. Number 59 is about the Holmes and Ray social readjustment scale. And that was the scale where certain things, um, such as, say, planning a wedding or having a death in your family. Those things add stress to you, and Holmes and Ray basically assigned a rating scale to that, giving certain values to each life event, some positive and some negative, and those add up to stressful things, okay? Those stressful things are more likely to, you know, kind of predict how your health will be in the next 10 years, and stress definitely can attribute to things like heart problems or blood pressure problems that can actually make your life much shorter. Number 60 has to do with catastrophes and what happens with people who have experienced those. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of stress. And um, when people have had a lot of loss, they also tend to be depressed and anxious. I don't think that's anything out of the norm um, especially when there's sudden trauma, okay? Um. Number 61, make sure you know what the definition of stress is, okay, from the stress psychology chapter in health psychology. Number 62, primary appraisal. So when we appraise a stressful event, there's the primary and the secondary appraisal. Primary appraisal is basically just checking to see what our initial interpretation is of a stressor, and then our secondary appraisal, appraisal is going to be figuring out what resources we need to deal with that event, okay? Number 63, know what the term immunosuppression means. It's basically suppression of your immune system and when that tends to happen in relation to stress. Um, number 64, you need to know the difference between problem and emotion-focused coping, okay? Um, there's two types there, and depending upon what type of stressor you have, depends on the type of coping that can go with it. Number 65, defense mechanisms. This is one of the few things I would say Freud definitely got right. Um, a lot of times we tend to ignore our emotions or keep them unconscious, and that's like a defense mechanism. As I said, denial is a very real thing that people experience constantly um, for many reasons. Okay, number 66 is basically the effects of exercise. Exercise is good for you. I think we all know this. It's just getting the motivation to do it and basically know that it helps with, you know, the emotional, physical and effects of stress and things like that. Um number 67 is guided imagery, which is basically a certain type of therapy where You imagine yourself somewhere nice and safe and relaxing like a beach, and that's one way to kind of reduce your stress level, okay? Number 68, you have your type A and type B personalities. Know the difference between those, um, what a type A personality is, what a type B personality is, and what we predict from those, okay? Number 69 is uh, Siegelman's research on learned helplessness. Um I'm not sure I talked about this much because it's kind of sad but um what Siegelman did was he found that you could teach animals to be helpless in a situation. And what he did was he had a group of dogs. The the first group um basically would be on a metal crate type situation. And there would be a buzz and then a small little shock to their feet that was kind of uncomfortable. And what they could do was when they heard the buzzer, which would predict this shock, is they could jump to the other side and avoid the shock, okay? And then they could do the same thing and jump back. And so they would kind of volley back and forth between one area and another area to avoid a shock, In a second group, what they did was they had the buzzer to predict the shock, but then they didn't allow the dogs initially to go anywhere. Um, They could know the shock was coming, but there was nowhere they could jump to avoid it. Okay. And then later they put them in a situation where they could jump to the other side to avoid the shock. And what they found is that these animals who had first basically been put in an area where they couldn't avoid the shock never would jump away from it when given the opportunity. So they learned to be helpless in getting themselves out of that shock situation. So they would just sit there and take the shock because they felt that nothing their actions did change the environment for them. And if you think of that in terms of like domestic violence, et cetera, it has a lot of implication in terms of why people stay or leave. Um, If you feel like no matter what you do, the end situation is going to be the same. Your actions are going to be different. And that's something that's learned. Okay. Um, And that's what Siegelman found with learned helplessness. Okay. Um, Be sure to kind of read over that in the book. All right. Number 70 um, it talks about the leading causes of death in 2013. Um, there's some big ones like heart disease. So be sure and look those up and kind of be able to recognize them. Number 71 has to do with STDs and be able to like kind of recognize who might be the most likely to catch an STD in terms of different groups. Okay. Males, females, et cetera. Number 72, meditation. We had a whole lecture on this and basically know the benefits of meditation and what those do for you, okay? Number 73 um, talks about suicide basically being the second leading cause of death for 15 to 34 year olds. Um, It changes depending upon the age group, but again, it's kind of a large contributor still in that age group. Um, It's starting to be a bigger contributor in younger age groups, which is rather concerning. Number 74, learning theorists and abnormal behavior. Basically, you need to know that learning theorists think that abnormal behavior and normal behavior are both learned in the same way. Okay. Um, So you learn abnormal things the same way you might learn normal things. So you're going to use the same learning processes to explain one or the other. Okay. Okay. Um, number 75, know what the DSM stands for. Of course, the DSM, you know, has all of our, um, mental disorders in it and a list of all of the symptoms so you can diagnose someone. Um, it's made by the American Psychiatric Association and we're on the sixth edition currently, although the exam is going to reference the DSM-5 as the book does, okay? Okay. Number 76, know about genetics and schizophrenia. Um, Schizophrenia, of course, has a lot of different types. But um, if you have someone in your family that has schizophrenia, you are much more likely to develop the disorder because it's very genetically linked. Number 77, um, borderline personality disorder. We didn't talk a whole lot about, but they found that basically low levels of serotonin seem to be associated with it. So you need to know that. Um, number 78, know that the DSM is something that's always changing, even though we consider abnormal behavior to be like, say, a violation of social or cultural norms, those change. So over time, as social and cultural norms change, so do some of our definitions of what's a disorder and what isn't. Um, for example, homosexuality used to be considered a disorder and no longer is, okay? Okay so the dsm and its different iterations is going to change as those social and cultural norms change for normal and abnormal behavior okay um number 79 um know kind of what anorexia is and the different things that go with that 80 is going to be psychoanalytic perspective. Um, Be sure and understand that. Number 81, cognitive components of anxiety. So basically, what are the symptoms that involve cognition? So being really watchful or worried is going to be one of those. Um, 82, when do we really consider something abnormal? Um, In psychology, You can go through the DSM and look, and you'll see that you have a lot of symptoms of a lot of the disorders, but it doesn't become problematic until it actually is interfering with your daily life and ability to function. So that is kind of the key to anything becoming a disorder or being labeled a disorder. You can have all of the symptoms of something and it not be interfering with your life, okay? Number 83, panic disorder, is basically going to fall under what category in the DSM. Number 84 um, talks about post-traumatic stress disorder and the types of events that are going to cause post-traumatic stress disorder. We see a lot of those following like wars and catastrophes. Um... So that would be one example. Be sure you can recognize several. Number 85 talks about dissociative identity disorder. And um, I think number 87 does actually as well. And that used to be called multiple personality disorder. And it's going to be defined as people or someone who has more than one distinct personality, okay? Number 86 talks about dissociative amnesia, which is a little bit different. Um, it's also similar to something called a dissociative fugue, which is where you kind of forget who you are and will sometimes wander very far away from home. Um, and you can't figure out who you are or where you are or what you're doing there. Um, a lot of times these people end up in the hospital and then they have to figure out who they are, where they came from and what's going on. It's usually a reaction to stress. It's a type of amnesia. Okay. Okay. Number 88 talks about depression and dysthymia. These are going to be similar. They both have symptoms of, you know, major depressive disorder, but major depression is something that lasts at least two weeks. Dysthymia is going to be something with like less symptoms that last anywhere between two years or more. It's going to be a longer time with kind of lower threshold symptoms. Okay. Number 89 is about schizophrenia and basically the differential between delusions and hallucinations. Okay. Delusions have to do with your thought processes and hallucinations have to do with what you see, hear, and feel and touch. Number 90, know the difference between like a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Also, uh, number 91, a psychoanalyst is what type of therapist. Um... Number 92 is basically the process of transference, which is a psychoanalytic thing. Um, Be sure to kind of understand how that works. Number 93 is Carl Rogers. He basically developed your client-centered therapy. And 94 kind of moves on to humanistic therapy. And what's the main goal in humanistic therapy? You're, You're wanting to create a certain type of environment. What is that environment? Okay. Um, Number ninety-five. Basically, understand what cognitive behavioral therapy is. Okay, has to do with basically understanding the cognition, which of course is going to change the behavior. Number ninety-six. Understand what the goals of couples therapy is or family therapy. All right, Um, we talked about that in class a little bit. Number 97 has to do with online psychological services or basically telemedicine, okay? Um, Does that work as well as in-person therapy or not, okay? Number 98 has to do with anti-anxiety medications and how those work and what they do, some of the problems with them, which are, of course, addiction. Number 99 has to do with a an anti-anxiety medication that's a little different than most of them. Most of them are benzodiazepines, and they're addictive. There's one called Buspar, which is kind of different in terms of its structure, and it's not as addictive, but it has a lower risk and since it also treat anxiety. And then number 100 I have here somewhere is basically knowing what the most frequently prescribed antidepressants are which are going to be ssris so make sure you come know what that stands for and you should basically be good for the test if you have any questions feel free to email me or message me anytime and i will get back to you as soon as possible um i hope this is helpful and again Have a good night and happy studying.